What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Film Frat Podcast, episode nine. Yes, sir. That's crazy. You know yeah. why? Because we're so close to double digits. I know. That is kind of cool to think about. Yeah. Episode that nine. That it made it to an episode 10. We did it. Close. Hold <laughs> on. Hold on. Whoa, relax. I won't get ahead of myself, but we're, <laughs> relax. I see it. It's I see. It's like right in the distant future. Yeah. Like, yeah, we got 10 episodes of a podcast out. Yeah. But... So, I mean, so far, so good. Again, episode nine, let's focus on what we got today. And today yes, we sir. got a lot to talk about. Uh, we've been, again, like usual, racking up some stuff, things that need to be talked about and kind of just some stuff that we've been just watching on our own, enjoying, you know, mm-hmm. um, some stuff like, I don't know. I personally, I've been watching uh, like things that I used to watch back when I was a kid for some reason. I've been on like the Disney grind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was okay. watching, like I've watched what, Moana. Okay. I watched uh, Lilo and Stitch, classic, right? Classic, bro. One of my favorite animations ever. Oh my God. I think honestly ahead of its time. Yeah. Just me. I agree. Hot I, take. I don't know. Maybe I, not. I, I don't know. I think the story and yeah, I, I would say, I would say so. Lilo and Stitch. Um, Another one, though, I think hands down my favorite movie all time, at least animated in, in the Disney realm. I know that I'm going to get a lot of hate for it, but uh, a goofy movie. A goofy movie. Goofy oh, that's movie. a. Cl- I would consider that a classic yeah. as well. Oh, absolutely. Because they have the goofy movie, the original, and then they have like an extremely goofy movie where okay. Max goes to college. Okay. So yeah. those two goaded. Okay. Hands down. Which one is the one... I, maybe it's both of them, but where he's rollerblading, like he's in the rollerblade competition. Yeah, yeah. So that's the second one. Okay. So that's when he's all grown up. He goes to college, gotcha. and then obviously Goofy, being the dad, he 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 kind of gets okay. upset. He has to let his child go, which we never get a mention of his mom. Who's, okay. Who's Max's mom? I don't know. I don't. Goofy know has either. a wife or had a wife. I would assume so. I would, well, yeah. <laughs> I'd hope so. <laughs> or maybe. I don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, that, that's the one where they're like rollerblading. They have like the whole X Games thing where they're skating, there's yeah. bikes, and then there's rollerblading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the original one's like he's younger, and then okay. like they go on the camping trip, and like I don't think I've seen that one to be honest. I've seen the X Games one. Oh, really? I haven't seen the okay. original one. I think this X Game ones is like more entertaining, but okay. the first one just hits at home. I don't know why, dude. I was I remember being a little kid watching it on a VHS tape. Uh-huh. I had the goofy VHS tape. And, uh, yeah, he just goes camping with his dad. He's yeah. in love with this girl that he really wants to be with. So he puts on, like, this performance at school, like, this cool concert. Mm. There's, like, this, like, Michael Jackson-esque kind of performer that he, like, looks up to. Okay. So he puts on this whole show where he's uh, he, he tries to impress his crush, and he does. Mm. But instead of hanging out with her, his dad, like, Goofy, drags him to a camping trip during the summer. And he gets oh, all butthurt. and dog blocking exactly exactly <laughs> so uh yeah some of those movies i've just been watching i've also seen like um i don't know if you remember avatar the last airbender ang yeah classic the, the series right the series yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i started re-watching that one mm-hmm. um they're going to be releasing actually a sequel like i know they released uh, i don't know if you heard of legend of korra which is like the sequel to um, the original Avatar. It's like a new Avatar. Mm-hmm. Well, now they're coming out with an actual like direct sequel to Aang, where mm-hmm. he's now older. It's like him, Zuko, like Sokka, all of them. That one is a. I am ashamed to say I've never finished Avatar. The you last never Avatar. finished. Avatar. I never have finished it, Dude. but I started binging it during COVID. Okay, and uh, I I got really into yeah. it, bro. I didn't. I haven't finished it yet. I need to finish Dude. it, but it you is like uh, it. I didn't realize what I was missing out on. Honestly, Dude. every time it came on, I'd kind of watch it, but yeah. kind of like. But once I was like watching it, watching it during yeah. COVID, I I see the appreciation Dude, for it. Yeah, it's just like honestly, that one is for sure ahead of its time. Yeah, because the comedy is spot on. Like it's funny not it's only for like kids, really but for like funny. our age. Like I go back yeah. and watch it, hilarious. Yeah, characters amazing, lovable. The mm. plot's great. Like the you know the the character developments with Aang and Zuko and like them becoming homies at the end and stuff. And what's the brother's name? Uh, is it for which brother? It's Korra's brother. Or, uh, well, okay, so there's uh, 
uh, Katara. Katara's and brother. And then it's Katara's brother. Sokka. Sokka. That's yeah. what I was going to okay. That guy's he's funny, bro. bro. Hands down hilarious. <laughs> and he's got like the boomerang. Yeah. So he's like, he can't bend or anything. It's his sister who does the water bending, but he's just like this warrior or he wants to be a warrior and just like be noble and super like it hands down must watch. So must, you got to finish yeah, it. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, some of the stuff I've just been watching, I'm sure you've been watching some stuff. Yeah. Like, I've been watching own. some stuff. Not really like revisiting stuff too much more like yeah. just stuff that's been on my watch list. Okay. I will say the first thing I want to mention though, is this show that me and Mackenzie put me onto it. She's been trying to get me to watch it for a long time. And okay. I finally like got through the first couple of episodes. Yeah. It's called uh, Alice in Borderland. Alice in Borderland. Alice in Borderland. So yeah. like Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Kind yeah, of yeah. Thing. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a crazy show, bro. It, it's based off a of manga. So, Wait, oh, okay. So before you finish, not to cut you off, is no. it animated or live action? It's live action. Oh, sick. Okay. But like I, I heard Mackenzie was telling me that she heard that people are saying it's like one of the best live action renditions of like, uh, of a manga that people have ever seen. Right. Okay. So it's it and it feels so much like an anime. Like it feels like, like a live right. action. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good, dude. But so basically the story is kind of like they I don't want to go too much into the story, okay. honestly, but I will mm. I'll just say this. Okay. I'll, I'm gonna tell the story. I don't know <laughs> okay. if I told you the story. I don't think so. But so we finally got we we finished the first season. We just finished the second season okay. and they just announced the third season of Alice in Borderland, which I'm so hyped on because I'm telling you, bro, this is probably like top three show for me now. What, what's it on? It's on Netflix. Netflix? Okay, I'm going to mm -hmm. have to check it out then. And it kind of, I don't want, I don't know if this is a reasoning, but it kind of came out around the same time as Squid Games. Oh, okay. And like Squid Games got all this hype mm -hmm. and hot take. People should have been watching Alice in Borderland, bro. Like, yeah, not to get into it. I think it was mid. Squid I Game, agree. Like mid. I agree. Yeah. I agree. But, uh, but going back to Alice in Borderland, so... Season one, season two, and there's a season three. But the last episode, so this is the final episode of season mm -hmm. two. It's the finale. So it, we didn't know they were going to be making more episodes after this. We kind of thought it was going to wrap up, but they just announced more, which is dope. But yeah. So I'm really invested in this show. Like, I was, like, very, like, emotionally attached to these characters. Like, I <laughs> okay. was, like, I, w I looked really forward to watching, like, the episodes of yeah. the show. Like, I was, like, I was, like, let's put this on. Like, I'm let's watch the next episode. Yeah, okay, okay. And, uh, so I was really invested in it. And, um, so the last episode happens and I'm not going to get into spoilers, okay. obviously, because yeah. I really want people to watch the show and experience it. But there is something that happens where I'm like, so attached to these characters where I'm like, oh my gosh, this person, this did this thing to them. So mm -hmm. like something just happened to this person and I'm so emotionally invested and bad with blood yeah. that I literally stopped watching Looked at Mackenzie, said, I don't feel good. You're kidding. I said, I think I'm going to throw up. And then I said, I think I'm going to pass out. And then I just was like, I got to get up. And then I walk around the coffee table, around our couch, going to the bathroom, thinking I'm either going to go in the bathroom, throw up, or I'm either going to go to the bed and uh, lay down. Yeah. I get down on one knee. You're kidding. And I look over Mackenzie. I'm like, I think. Basically, I'm like, I know I'm going down. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> this is my time. That's I'm it. I'm going down. And I look at her, and then that's all I remember. The you next blacked thing, out? I blacked out. I fainted. I straight up fainted. Because of the show. Because of the show, oh my bro. God, bro. That's crazy. I feel like such a wimp telling that story, but at the same time, I'm like, dude, it really had me that invested in it. Like, wow. I straight up fainted, and the last, next thing I remember is Mackenzie just holding She's my head up. She's holding my head up. She's like... Hey, you know, like, of course, such a Mackenzie response. Yeah, Are you good? You okay, <laughs> uh, I was sweating, bro. It was a, but yeah, just uh, that was a 
crazy experience. Right. I've never had that kind of reaction to watching yeah. anything in my entire life. Dude, it sounds like you were there. It, it felt like, like I was there. If I, when I woke up, I was like, I just went through something. That's crazy. Like, yeah, it was crazy. Okay, but so the must watch from Curtis's list. I'm, <laughs> highly okay, recommend. I'm gonna have to check it out then. Highly recommend. I'm gonna have to check it out. That's crazy. Crazy. So dude. you binge watched like you or you just yeah straight up yeah, yeah we were through it super quick yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. see that's something that I I just recently watched uh, I don't know if you heard of a uh, Vinland Saga Mm-mm. it's an anime it's a uh, Netflix uh, I think Netflix owns the rights to it but it, it's basically an anime uh, it it takes place during like the 11th century like so like thousand AD or something it's about like Vikings and like uh, Denmark Norway England like just that region of Europe and it's crazy bro like really? these Vikings going to war and you like, said politics. it's an anime yeah it's called oh. Vinland Saga and uh, it, yeah, there's like a lot of Norse mythology in it and stuff. Interesting. Like it's like action like a different like setting for an anime. It is, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I'm saying, it's like it's all Europe, Europe, European. There's like France gets involved, England gets involved, Denmark, Norway, like all these different European nations. And it's That's like the Vikings go on these sails. To, just so many motives. I don't want to get into it because it is actually really deep. The lore is crazy. The characters are badass. And at first, the um. What is it? The animation studio that did the first couple seasons of Attack on Titan. They're the ones who took over this like anime. And then now it switched over to the people who are like doing Jujutsu Kaisen and Demon Slayer. So like the animation's oh, wow. up there. Yeah. Yeah. That's dope, dude. So I think that's when is you it should new? Ch- uh it, it's definitely recent. Okay. I think like season one came out a couple years ago. Season two came out this year. So it's but it's good. Oh, I, that's like one I definitely binge watch. So you're saying you binge watch this one, like yeah, yeah, dude. Like, there's some good stuff coming out. That's good, dude. honestly. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I just watching stuff like that. Just it it reminds me as to like why I decided to even want to do film or like at least get into like the creative, you know realm of yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, for sure. I remember like younger watching all these films or even like video games and whatnot. Um, yeah, like. I don't know for you specifically, but the reason I went back to watch these films and whatnot is just to get more inspiration or motivation as to like why I even got into it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know I, what I'm saying? I'm always constantly watching movies, dude. Like, it's just like, it kind of always keeps that drive for me to like, yeah. I want to make something like that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so what, like, what influenced you? Yeah, like, dude, because it was like, I mean, I, I started making videos, like, sh- like short films and just like yeah. videos with, Carter, my brother, and yeah. just, like, homies that would come over, like, from elementary school and stuff. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've been there. Yeah, like, in, like, when I was, like, 11 or 12 or something, yeah. like, I got super young. It was, like, one of my buddy's sisters, she was, ma- she was like, making, like, these Indiana Jones, like, short films. Mm. And I, I've well, said before yeah. that I'm really into Indiana Jones. Of course so Let's insert like, a picture of Curtis. Yeah, I don't know if you have <laughs> Dressed up as an Indiana Jones <laughs> yeah. at some point in my life. But, yeah, it, it was, like, the fact that she would... I, I was into Indiana Jones, and then she's making her own Indiana Jones movies. I was like, I can make my own Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, it just clicked. That like was that like, realization. I was like, I was like okay, the, I have the whole world like is my playground right now. So was, yeah. as a kid, it definitely like I was like, wow, that's dope. Yeah. And then like as I got older, it kind of like it always has kind of been adventure films, Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. Back to the Future. I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until later in life that horror movies were kind of like something that I really got into. Yeah. But yeah, I'd say like those classics, like. Indiana Jones, Star Wars. Star Wars was, like, before I even mm-hmm. got into filmmaking, I just was obsessed with yeah. Star Wars. I love Star Wars. Yeah. Would write my own, you know, books and uh, stories, like, in even, like, kindergarten, bro. Like Really? Yeah, like, wow. I've been into Star Wars for a long time, so. That's crazy. Yeah, a big adventure and blockbuster kind of stuff, but, like, the, you know, the, the classic, not the stuff necessarily. There are good stuff coming out now, yeah. but not, like, what we consider blockbusters now, like, kind of the, yeah. 
the originals but yeah. what about you what, what's kind of the stuff you were watching growing yeah, up yeah so like again like i said just watching like these like uh kind of cult classics like the whole disney's and, and whatnot and like like i mentioned goofy movie and stuff like that um there's like tv shows and, and stuff that i used to watch but what really interested me growing up obviously i, I loved like the, the creative like the stories that that came from like the cartoon network shows or yeah. your disney or, or nickelodeon even mm -hmm. uh for me the biggest thing that i loved was just like the collaboration part yeah like just mm -hmm. getting with your homies because i also would make youtube videos stupid youtube videos with the homies right, after right. school right and just the dumb projects like whether it's a short film like uh quick shout out to the boys like josh ramon and all of them we we made this short horror film about like a a, a killer like a that wears a pig mask uh -huh. it was called el puerco and it was all <laughs> in spanish so it was a spanish short film where there's like you know two kids running away from this killer who has a pig mask and it's just the dumbest thing so shout out to them to the boys but yeah just a whole collaboration like process of just getting the people you like you have fun with and just making something stupid or funny yeah. which is why i always love watching like adam sandler films or or uh seth rogan films will mm -hmm. ferrell films because they literally just get the homies together yeah and then 100%. they make a movie like this is the end yeah, yeah come yeah. on bro i had so much fun watching that because i'm like dude we yeah. can do that yeah, yeah yeah you know exactly bro yeah that those kinds of groups that there are in hollywood are really cool to see that like oh let's stick together and make movies that That's what for I'm saying. for us for our group yep. like that we would want to see kind of thing I, I like that they have those like different like groups of you know creatives out there doing that thing there's not like all solo stuff like oh i want to make my movie no, yeah. let's make a movie that would be dope for all of yeah. us yeah so so going to like nau right mm -hmm. so we get to college and, and we enroll to do like the creative media and film that stuff that you know we enrolled in and what our major was i guess or bachelors um did you find yourself actually like like gaining the experience you wanted to, to like start making the stuff you wanted i would say nau was definitely like a great school like it really surpassed my expectations of what I thought I was going to provide. Yeah, same school. actually. Yeah. And I, I'd say what I took away from that school, I will always remember as far as like the storytelling, especially, mm -hmm. I feel like I really like was able to hone in storytelling there, which wasn't really what I expected mm -hmm. to like come out of with it. I think, mm -hmm. I think I was more expecting to be like more hands-on. Yeah. A little more with gear that, you know, yeah, the yeah, industry is yeah. using, yeah. but every, you know, every school has got their own, film class and film, you know, studies. So they all have it set up a little differently, but I think NAU did a really good job of honing in on just the craft of storytelling and really putting the focus into like, it's not all about this technical stuff. It's really got to have a good story first and yeah. then, you know, you know, go after that. Yeah. And it's crazy. You mentioned that like the whole, you were expecting hands-on experience that really didn't come in until like years later yeah. being in the program. Right. Definitely, like the yeah. first couple, couple years, years was like literally learning about story, learning about like characters, like the psychology yeah. behind things, taking like script yeah. screenwriting one-on-one with an in interesting teacher. How did you feel about that? <laughs> like that, that's how it was set up in the beginning. Like, did you think it, were you expecting, you were expecting to be more hands-on too? Yeah. I was literally expecting like freshman year, like, okay, here's a camera and go you know, to an extent it kind of was like yeah. go shoot and stuff, but bit. it wasn't necessarily like um, a concise kind of crew where you actually yeah. go in and, and make an actual project. It was very like college films, you yeah. know, it was very, yeah. you're making a, a student film pretty much. And it sure. felt like it, which is fine. And I, I think at first I was frustrated a little bit with mm -hmm. that, but I think as I realized that my like the storytelling thing was kind of clicking. I was mm -hmm. like, I think I'll just like mm -hmm. be a sponge and take what I can away yeah. from all this, obviously. So, 
yeah, I, I, I love, I love the experience. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. That's definitely how I felt too. And, um, yeah, like huge shout out to one of my favorite professors, uh, Shin Yi. Mm-hmm. She was a screenwriting like God. She, she like was, literally yeah. knew any, she, yeah, she like knew anything and everything about what needed to be in a script, like the characters. And she would mention things that were so common sense, but you didn't really think about cause you're like, you know, writing a script is sometimes difficult, bro. You you know, Dude. you get to a part where you hit a, just a block and you like can't get past whatever your idea is. She would just come up to you and she'd be like, well, have you thought of this? And it's like the most simplest, like, she, you know, thing that you could change on your script. Yeah. She was like a very like myth, like meth. I don't know how to say yeah. it. Like, you know, like psychological. Yeah. Teacher yeah, kind yeah. Of. Like it was more about like extracting things from people. Yeah. instead of like trying to tell them how to do it. Like exactly. Take from your experiences, take from like, she was very good about it. I would say my top teacher. Top, oh yeah, yeah. Up there. And like, bro, I remember one time she's like, you got to get to know your characters, spend yeah. a week with them. I'm like, how do you spend a week with your, like people you don't know? She's like, that's the whole point. You get to know them. Yeah. I'm you like, ask them questions. What? You have to ask them questions and you're like, you have to ask made up people questions. Yeah. I'm like, like, it makes sense though. You got to get it to does. it. Cause then it translates mm-hmm. better to like, you know, real that's, life. That's the thing. And honestly, that was like some of my favorite parts of like uh, just the film school experience in general. Um, obviously going through this program, like we had to wear a different hats, like, you know, be director, producer, like sound. So what was like your favorite kind of role? Yeah, I think I've always just kind of been like obsessed with the whole process of filmmaking, like mm-hmm. liked it from start to finish. But I always saw myself as like editing was kind of my thing that, that was I was your like thing. drawn to the most that I just saw myself doing the most and mm-hmm. always felt like I was doing all the time. So. I, I had a really good editing teacher, uh, Eric Lynch. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember him. He was, I never he, took his class, but I knew who that he was. He was amazing. Yeah. He was amazing. He was a, also one of my top teachers. I had a great class with him, but he taught me a lot about just like, just different techniques like cutting, to mm-hmm. bling, like cutting to the eye, mm-hmm. just like pacing, uh, just like really like, just not again not being too technical about it and really like having a feeling mm-hmm. about something instead of just like, oh this is when you should cut or this is when you should like it's really, you gotta, you gotta know yourself too yeah. as a editor. Like everyone's kind of got their own thumbprint when it comes to taking video or editing. Yeah. You know? Like our clip, like we, me and Alex, we edit, you know, clips mm-hmm. for film frat, like, mm-hmm. and they're similar, but they're kind of, they kind of got their different tastes. Yeah, exactly. Like so everyone's got like their own like thumbprint when it comes to anything. So it's kind of like, I feel like it's so hard to say like, film like this, edit like this. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So editing definitely, uh, you think is like the role that you kind of like leaned into the most. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What was the least favorite? (laughs) Cause there's some that I was like, dude, I don't want to do that. Not cause there's Uh, anything wrong with it, obviously, but it just wasn't for you. mm, I, that's a good question. I would say going into it, my least favorite was honestly the actual, production side of things and actually filming things oh wow yeah yeah was actually, like being on set like yeah okay which was just like because i was always like when it was as long with my friends i was always the one editing the movies you know yeah, yeah, they yeah, were yeah. like no for sure if they were coming to our house we were making a movie and yeah like, you know so yeah. it was like uh i was always editing but i didn't like the filming part for some reason i felt like it was hard to like coordinate everyone and like get everyone like how i wanted to be and stuff so no, i get that I learned to like, I've learned to like it though, because it's what gets me away from editing now, Mm -hmm. like being away from a computer. So I've learned to like it a lot, but, um, yeah. What about you, bro? What's your favorite? What was your favorite? Um, well, okay. So going into it, I always thought like director, 
You know, I feel like a lot of people just yeah. want to have that role, yeah. which it's a, like, honestly, being a director is so many roles in one. It's not just one thing. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it, like, there's so much you need to focus on. And me going into it, I was like, yeah, I want to direct. Mm-hmm. Like I want to set the things in motion, set the plans. Be, But really when I got actually into it, I think what drew me in the most is probably the cinematography. Uh, lighting was super cool. I honestly think lighting's underrated. Yeah. Like I, I did like gaff work. Like mm. I think my senior year, especially for my capstone film and I, dude, it was insane. Like just playing with color and, and seeing how it manipulates the story. And stuff. I know I'm getting super technical. No, into you it, got, but you, you got, I remember seeing it. It turned mm. out really good, dude. Yeah, and it, dude. it takes those techniques to it like, it does. Yeah, it, it definitely like creating fake moonlight and stuff like seems kind of simple, but it like takes it. There's so much that you take into consideration. So like gaffing lighting. Um, I loved producing. I don't know. Like I'm super organized as is. So I love like saying, okay, here's a game plan, like creating game plans. Like we got to be here. We got to do this. This is who we have to contact. This is what yeah. we need in order. Like just stuff like that. Just yeah. the, how my brain works. We had a producing class together, uh, right? We took that together. Right? Uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes, we did. I love that class. I thought that was a cool yeah, class. I yeah. forgot her her name, the professor, because this was her first year teaching that class. Yeah, she was really good though. Um, yeah, and then we, we actually ended up uh, uh, working on a script from a guy who actually worked on the movie uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. I, oh, I don't yeah. know why that was such a weird like... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. do you remember that? He did, did like, yeah. I don't know if he did like the, the GFX or something on that film, mm-hmm. but we ended up like... But he wrote his own script. He wrote his own like short film script that was submitted. Yeah, that we were like producing. Yeah, we were producing for him, which it's always cool to see like how producers uh, think and mm-hmm. what like it takes for the scheduling, the budgeting. Yeah. I like working with numbers. That was really personally. interesting to me. Honestly. Yeah. That, I learned a lot in that class. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like working with numbers is something I like, mm-hmm. like doing the math behind it. I know it sounds boring, but dude, I like, I'm like, okay, here's the budget. This is how much we got to spend. That's good, dude. Like, you need that. Yeah, dude. I think it's important. So just like that, that part of it. My least favorite though. I think, and it's super in, like integral and very needed, like sound. I just, for some reason, always had an issue with sound. I don't know if it was just because I'm bad at it. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I can kind of by ear think, okay, this is the level we need to be at. And obviously like there's certain decibels you need to reach and what you shouldn't go over, but just like knowing which mic you need or, or like having the boom mic or having to actually constantly listen and look at your levels. Like I just wasn't that like tedious, you know? I think a I lot of people trash. would agree with you. I think yeah. a lot of people would agree with you that audio is kind of like their last thought you know but the thing is like if you get a f- great film that shot perfectly lit everything blocking but the sound is trash just scrap the whole it's thing. just like, as it's bad as yep. if the video was bad yeah. yeah like so it's such an important thing and um I, I was just bad at it no yeah yeah it's it is one of those things i i agree with you where audio is kind of like you want to overlook it because you just don't want to think about it However, there was I did kind of think Foley was kind of interesting. Foley was cool, bro, because yeah. you can get creative with how you make the actual sound. Yeah, because you can make the scene sound like you could have a whole thing that you filmed. None of the sounds were in there in the original mm-hmm. part, and then you get it literally create the sounds mm-hmm. like that's dope. I like that. That is super dope. Yeah, uh, just that, another part of the creative process. Yeah. yeah, literally. But yeah, so 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 much went into that uh, four years of the process of learning, you know, film and whatnot. And again, like we were mentioning, yeah, there's so much that we learned and picked up on. Um, and it, it's a fun industry. It just, it, it, it probably seems a little, not that we've broken into it just yet, but it does seem super stressful and you kind of got to know what you're oh, doing. Yeah. It's, it's not easy to navigate, but it mm. is fun to navigate. Yeah, for sure. And although we like, in my opinion, we learned a lot. There's so much information that was, that was taught, you know, and that we had to learn. But one thing, shout out to professor Kurt Lancaster. I don't know if you remember him. Oh, yeah. He, he dropped some, a crazy quote, like a crazy quote. And he's like, you learn the rules so that way you can break them. I'm like, 
<laughs> there you go, dude. Like, yeah, I don't know where he got that from. That's where that we met tough. in his class. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, I forgot what like beginner to filmmaker first or something. Class. Yeah, it was my first class of freshman year ever. Same. So yeah, and now we're here. Shout out. <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, interesting. But yeah, he dropped yeah. that quote. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's tough. That is that tough. is tough. Shout out, Kurt. Yeah. All right. So let let's talk about two of the biggest films that uh, were anticipated for this year. A double feature. I'm talking about Barbenheimer. Barbie right. And you saw everywhere people like literally dressing up as Barbie or, or going in the classic World War II outfits to go watch both films. Yeah. Same day. It's the biggest event of the year. Of the year. Literally. Yeah. Like <laughs> and I um, it for a second. It dude, it was everywhere. Yeah, it like, was. Like I said, double feature. People would just go watch it back to back. Which honestly is kind of interesting because they're like polar opposites. I know. I think that's what pe- I think maybe that's what drew people a little yeah. bit to it. That they get like two completely different experiences yeah. out of the two. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely like good, good for those two movies. Like, oh yeah, that helped their box office numbers. Oh, I'm sure. God. I'm sure. I don't, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but I'm, I'm sure they racked in some cash for sure. Um, I didn't get to watch Barbie, but I did watch Oppenheimer. Did you watch Oppenheimer? I did not watch okay. Oppenheimer. Well, um, you missed a lot because it's a long movie. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Nolan did a great job. Uh, it, it was like three hours. I want to say it, it didn't feel like three hours lately. These like long, longer films don't feel like long films. Yeah. They've been doing a better job of filling the space. For yeah. Sure. And the pacing and stuff. It does. Okay. Actually, I will admit the pacing towards the, the last part of this film did drag on a little, which mm-hmm. I'll touch on. Um, I'd liked Oppenheimer. It's definitely like a big brain film. I'm yeah. not going to lie. There's a lot of physics that goes into it. A lot of politics, science, uh, you know, catastrophe, obviously with mm-hmm. the topic yeah. of the film, uh, you know, the father of the atomic bomb, Robert Oppenheimer. Um, it just, so it, it's basically a biopic of his life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And obviously it surrounds the, the topic of making the bomb. Yeah. However, it's not just about that. Mm-hmm. There's like this twin parallel kind of story arc between him and then Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Okay. Um. What's his, I so think is I have, he a, a lead in the movie, Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah. He, yeah. He is also a lead. Like I said, there's like this weird parallel where it's a story of, uh, you know, Robert Oppenheimer played by Killian Murphy. By the way, I mispronounced his name last oh, yeah. episode. I said Cillian. I, I feel stupid. So my apologies <laughs> to Killian uh, <laughs> Murphy. But so Robert Oppenheimer, you know, you get his backstory of when he's younger, he's going to school, right? He goes to Europe to study and he, he's learning about physics and he's really interested in, in like dying stars, right? Okay. And like the um, astronomy of it. So like what happens with like what happens to the condensed energy of the dying star and how much force and energy does it produce and all that good stuff. So this is way before like this whole project happened before like world war two even starts. Was this before he was even like a scientist or he's like a student. Okay. Right. Um, but he is a scientist. Gotcha. Right. Uh, profession. I don't remember if it's, he's a professional scientist working on something. I don't think so, but he goes to America to, to teach a course. I forgot which school it was, but he went to go teach a score on or teach a school course on like the, dying star basically okay and um he, he gains like it's a small classroom and basically ta- teaching all these students about what it means with the quantum physics and, and kind of the science behind it and the next thing you know like you know germany invades poland and now world war ii starts so then that's where you kind of have him get recruited to create this bomb because you know at the time i don't want to get into the whole history lesson of it but you know there's a race between germany and like you know the u.s about who's going to create a bomb that could 
potentially end the world. Okay. So I have a quick question. Sure. You said it's a small classroom. So I, don't, mm-hmm. I know you don't remember the school, but was it a smaller school? It wasn't like one of those big. No, it was a big school, okay. but he was the only person teaching this specific class. It was a very like niche class yeah. that people took. So he is the specific person who introduced this kind of topic to the school. Okay. Like no one else was teaching it, you know? I see. So he, he's kind of the one who introduced this kind of, you know, course or yeah. level of thinking. Gotcha. Okay. Science. And then, like, uh, like I said, on the flip side, you have Robert Downey Jr. Um, and his character, he played Louis Strauss. He did a good performance, by the way. And he himself said it's probably one of the best films he's ever done. Okay. And I'm like, are you sure? Have you seen Avengers? <laughs> you, you don't remember doing Endgame? He is him, bro. He's Iron Man. That's what I'm saying. You don't remember doing that movie? I am Iron Man. No, yeah. but good for him. He did a he did a, a good job, good role. Yeah, that's dope. Um, that's I hope he wins you. something for it. Really? That'd be yeah, super is that sick. good? Yeah, I really liked it. But however, it did drag towards the end because uh, they're trying to build up this like parallel between the two characters, and there's this like weird tension between Robert Downey Jr.'s character and Killian uh, Murphy's character, where I don't want to spoil the movie. Uh, I know it's kind of been out for a while, but there's this tension between both of them, and it's kind of like a political tension where uh, Robert Downey Jr. is trying to kind of expose Killian Murphy and and uh, Robert Oppenheimer and his identity. And, and, you know, at the time, like, is he a communist? Is he actually a threat to America? Like, is he actually a hero? Do people like, should people see him as a hero? There's like this weird, um, you know, backstory. To okay. It. Did it feel out of place in the movie? At first, yes, because the way it opens, it kind of throws you into the loop. And I'm like, what is going on? I, you get introduced to all these generals, all these different political figures. And I'm like sitting there like, who are these people? Okay. You know what I'm saying? But towards the end of the movie, it all clicks. Okay. It all clicks. And then there's like uh, flashbacks to things that were said that didn't make sense that now make sense and connects. Uh, Albert Einstein's in the movie. Yeah. He looked phenomenal. He looked like Albert Einstein. And it was, yeah. it was fun to see him interact with Oppenheimer, um, you know, because everyone knows Albert Einstein. Yeah. And this famous scientist. Right. Um, and he did have part in the whole, you know, process of this bomb. Interesting. Okay. Um, so would you like the movie? I feel like you would like it for just the sheer experience of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it gets very political. And especially towards the end, this is what I wanted to touch up on. Something I didn't personally like too much after the explosion of the bomb and that whole storyline is set you see like the ptsd that oppenheimer faces mm. kind of the repercussions mentally okay after after they launched the bomb and he realizes like the destruction that he caused and um how he changed the world forever yeah like now that he made this bomb the world's completely changed mm-hmm. you know and the whole thinking is like the second they press this button it'll never be pressed in history otherwise because if they do press this bomb like this button in history again the whole world will and basically everyone's launching nukes, yeah. you know, so not a good thing. Yeah. Um, after that storyline ends, then you kind of end it with Robert Downey Jr.'s storyline. Yeah. And it's all politics about him trying to get like a seat in the cabinet for the government and mm-hmm. how he's going up against Oppenheimer and, and trying to showcase again, like I mentioned, how he's kind of a threat to America. They shouldn't clear his like security access for him to actually be part of the government and different projects. So. So it sounds like a lot was going on. A lot is going on. So I know there's a big cast and it ha- obviously it's a Christopher Nolan film. Yes. film so like you're going to have a big cast. Yeah. It's a grand film. Yeah. You know, yep. epic. It's one of those epics, you know, oh, 100%. for sure. Um, I heard that it did not have like a ton of he- like almost no humor in it. Was that true? There's some humor. Uh, there's nerdy humor for sure. Okay. Um, there's also humor in the fact that like um, some of the, I don't know, how do I, ex- how do I explain it? There is very little humor. Gotcha. It is a very serious movie, yeah, yeah, but yeah. there are parts where you laugh. I think it's, it's hard to, 
have humor in a movie with right. such a sensitive subject like that. Right. I was I was just curious though because just in my when I go to the movies, I guess. Yeah. I and I, if I'm gonna sit down for. A, three hour movie. Mm-hmm. I I need to know that I'm going to laugh a little bit, bro. Like I can't go. Yeah, hey, that's my, valid. You know what I mean? I and will admit. I think that's, and I, I'm sure people were like, Oh, he didn't see Oppenheimer. Yeah. Like I'm like, and he's a film major. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, I didn't like, I, I wasn't, I'll, I'll wait for a stream. Honestly, like fair on that one. I, I mean, honestly, I, that's just it, me. That's just my no, taste. Totally my taste. Though. No, no, no. I yeah, get it. Yeah. I think it'll be a, a completely different experience on streaming compared to. In theaters. Yeah. I, and obviously there was the IMAX release of <sighs> yeah. it, which I, did you see it in IMAX? Uh, not like, tr- like true IMAX. Okay. Okay. But like digital IMAX. Okay. I see. Uh, it, so there was like the whole release of just like, it's mm-hmm. a beautiful film, obviously. Yeah. And like the score's crazy. Yeah. The soundscape's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, just the actual experience, like. I'm not gonna lie. Like leading up to the bomb, it progressively every single minute, it progressively you get more anxious. There's more tension, so it does lead up to something that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So you constantly have that, like you know, you you feel it. You feel that like sensation. Okay, that that would definitely keep me going. Yeah. And I think. that's what keeps you like enticed. I felt my heartbeat like going. Okay. And I'm like, oh my god, like, I can see that for sure. And then you said after the bomb explodes, do you feel like it? it dragged a little bit after the bomb exploded. Yes. Uh, just because again, it, the film's not about the bomb. It's about his life. So I understand thematically, logically, uh, where they go, the direction it took. Um, I honestly could have done without Robert Downey Jr.'s character, which is a hot take. Cause you liked his performance a lot, his performance, but it does sound like it was a little out of place. Maybe not out of place, but maybe just like a little too much. Um, I, yeah, maybe it was a little too much because I got what I needed after the whole bomb explosion. Personally, if mm-hmm. they wanted to end it there and then kind of showcase again, his PTSD and how he lived life after without Robert Downey Jr., mm-hmm. I would have been happy. Mm-hmm. Okay. The movie could have been maybe another 45 minutes, like shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, That's quite a bit. It is quite a bit. Yeah. Um, But I understand why they they did what they did in the route they took with his character. There is parallels to it and you see it. Um, again, once you watch it, you'll understand. I'm sure the people that watched it. So, and I have been seeing a lot of opinions as to why people didn't like it. And it was for that specific reason, kind of the ending. Mm-hmm. And another thing people didn't like is the actual explosion itself. Really? Cause it leads up to this huge grand thing and you do see the explosion and whatnot, but might've been lackluster in a lot of people's eyes. Really? Yeah. It's interesting. interesting. So once you see it, I'm sure you'll have your own take. And yeah, I am. I definitely am curious to see it. Mm-hmm. I do want to see it. Um, but I did not see it in the theater. Yeah. So I did miss out when it came to that. But again, it's, it was, it is kind of hard for me to bring myself to see a three hour movie where I'm like, probably yeah. just going to be like, just like, Oh man, this is yeah. a lot. And just kind of like dread, you know, probably there was, yeah. was there a sense of dread in the theater? There was, there yeah. was. Yeah. There was moments where everyone's quiet and I'm like, Ooh, yeah, man, like this is actually pretty, this is sad, dude. For sure. Seriously. But uh, something that was, should be highlighted is the cast. Yeah. crazy on the cut like i got it pulled up right now like obviously killian murphy florence Pugh, robert downey jr you have emily blunt matt damon bro you have rami malik who played uh uh was it uh in queen bohemian rhapsody yeah, freddie yeah. mercury Freddy you mercury. have josh peck from drake and josh <laughs> like you have all these people you had roderick from the diary of the, uh, diary of the wimpy kid legendary like, yeah uh you just a crazy cast like you had so many people on here that like 
the cool thing about watching this in theaters is like seeing these people and pointing it out like, oh, dude, that's that guy. Mm-hmm. Or that's this guy. Like that guy's in this movie. Or, right. It was just, it was a good collaboration. And that was fun. although it seems a little random with the specific people they picked, I think it, 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 it made it good. Yeah. I think, I mean, if you got that kind of budget where you can kind of, you know, throw the money around to get like these big name actors for these yeah. smaller roles, just for the fact that like, it's a cameo kind of thing. Yeah. Why not do it? Yeah. Why and, not? So, and it was fun. Yeah. I'm sure it, I would, it would enhance the experience for me too. <laughs> Dude, seeing Josh Peck, like going to push a button or like working on was the, he new- the one pushing the button. He did not push the button. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I shouldn't have spoiled it for you. That's I should have. insane. I can't even want to go into that. That's funny. <laughs> he though. pushed the button. That's great. I, I, <laughs> I'm like a little lost for words on that one. Cause like the fact that Christopher Nolan gave Josh Peck, Josh Peck, the role of the button pusher. And he's looking at Oppenheimer like now and Oppenheimer like, Oh my god. <laughs> and gosh. Josh Peck's in there like thinking like Megan and Drake are behind this <laughs> or something. <laughs> Megan. Megan. <laughs> So oh, it was funny that see there's humor like that where I was laughing cause it wasn't an intentional laugh, sure. but it's funny in I that see way. What you mean now. So I'm saying like, what is going on? <laughs> so wow, yeah. dude, that's funny. I'm really glad you told me that. Actually. Yeah, it, it was a good time, but I, um, I didn't watch Barbie something I did want to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. How we, was the experience? Yeah. I mean, me and Mackenzie went and saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were a little later to watching it, but we, we saw it with a decently good sized audience. Still. Okay. And, um, so yeah, there was a lot of hype around like Barbie and oh, Oppenheimer yeah, and uh, just as much for Barbie as Oppenheimer and probably, I, I think Barbie beat Oppenheimer a little bit. I mean, it's, so, it, it's, actually, a, it's more of a, you know, family friendly film that maybe a little more people are into, but look this up. it was a, it was a really good film. It was by, it was by Greta Gerwig or Greta Gerwig, Greta mm-hmm. Gerwig, I believe. Okay. I should have looked this up while you were talking, but. So it starts with Barbie, played by Margo, Margot Robbie. Okay. And she does an amazing job as Barbie. Like, you mm-hmm. would think that, like, you know, she's supposed to be this character that's, like, the stereotypical Barbie. Like, they have all these Barbie characters. Like, they have, like, a volleyball Barbie or, okay. you know, tennis Barbie or, like, accountant Barbie. You know, they have all yeah. these, like, different people playing these different Barbies. And Margot Robbie plays who is the stereotypical Barbie, mm-hmm. like the original. I so guess all these other say. Barbies are different actresses, different. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you have Ryan Gosling as Ken, who, of course. I mean, that is a great, uh, that's a great duo to put on yeah. to the screen. I think I really love Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. I think Ryan Gosling brings humor every time. I think he's f- super funny. And okay. uh, Michael Sarah plays this character named Alan. Who's like Michael Sarah's yeah, in the movie. He's in the, in the movie too. Okay. Who plays like, his name's Alan and he's like Ken's best friend in like the lore of Barbie, but like okay. he's kind of like this misfit in the world. Yeah. So it really does open up on this Barbie world where you meet all these Barbies and all these Kens. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of different Kens too, you know, same at like soccer Ken. Yeah. yeah same yeah. kind of thing. Makes sense. So it's this whole Barbie world and it's like everything's so like, you know, lollipops and rainbows, you know, it's like, Oh, let's, let's have a party at Barbie's place. Yeah. Like we're going to party at, party at Barbie's place tonight. Oh, what are we doing tomorrow? Same thing. Like, it's this is, you know, it's kind of like that. Okay. And they kind of have this yeah. idea that they're like these people that have put this like amazing, uh, I guess stamp on earth. It's like there's Barbie world and there's mm-hmm. earth and they know they have like this influence on earth and they think that they've like, just kind of like completely smoothed over anything having to do with like feminism and everything in, yeah. on earth, you know? But right. then Barbie gets transported 
or she goes on a trip to Earth because Ken takes over. Or wait, how did Mackenzie? How, why do they go to Earth in the first place? Oh, yeah, she starts to get actual feelings. She starts. She starts to have like these thoughts of like, like. Have you guys ever thought about dying? Like, she, there, there was a scene where like, they're just, like, randomly okay. partying. And she's like, do you guys ever think about dying? And, like, everyone stops her, like, what are you talking about? And she's like, nothing. Like, so she starts to get these weird intrusive thoughts. Yeah. So that's what kind of, like. What's that do to, though? Or they don't really explain? Well, uh, so they do kind of explain. Okay, so okay. that kind of, like, thank you, Mackenzie, for pointing that out. So that kind of pushes them into going to her going to Earth. Because she finds out when she goes to Earth and Ken comes along for the ride because he's, like, He's like her, like, kind of a uh, puppy dog kind of oh, like God. guy, I guess. You okay. know what I mean? Like, he's like the guy that's like, uh, I don't know. He's just like, oh, Barbie, like, I want to be with you. Like, please, Barbie. Like, yeah. he's like on his hands and knees begging all the time. And it's like, it was a funny portrayal for sure. Uh, so they go to the real world and, and Barbie realizes that not everything is how it seems, like how they think it is from Barbie okay. land. They think everything, like... Feminism is solved. They think everything is all good over here. They think, you know, Mm -hmm. and they think that the Barbies are a big influence of why that is. But when Barbie sees that that's not the case, she's like, oh, crap. Like, this isn't like she starts to get like she realizes things, you know, but Mm -hmm. can go when Ken is in the real world. He's like, oh, this is so dope. Like men are taking over over here. (laughs) Men got it good over here. Like. I like it, it. So it's kind of, it definitely has a very like, you know, prominent message in the film. Yeah. I was about to say that. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Of, and I think it is a good message and I think it all comes full circle in the end. Cause like, I don't want to spoil it too much. I don't want to get into the story cause it's been out for a long time. I don't yeah. want to take too much time on fair, it, fair, but, fair. but Ken basically like goes back to Barbie land and he's like revolting. Like all the Ken's get together. They're like, we're going to take over Barbie land. Like brute bros, dudes, you know, oh, they're having beers. They're wearing cowboy hats for no reason. And they're just, <laughs> they're just like, like, just a bunch of icks wearing chaps and stuff. Bro. Like, <laughs> like just that like, sounds funny. It's pretty, it's kind of funny. It definitely is a funny concept. And I think it's a good story of, you know, trying to solve feminism and just pushing this idea that like women don't need to be perfect. You know, they're like this image, you know, mm-hmm. and it does have a really good story. And I think, that it really all does come together. So you're saying that this this agenda, this like message that they had, did it, it was transparent? It did show like definitely. I that was I would say more so the. I mean, it obviously, is a Barbie movie, but that was definitely what was pushing in the film. for sure. And I think it was a good message for, yeah. uh, you know, younger girls and stuff. And yeah. definitely, obviously, but what I had a problem with, I think not a problem with, but what I was expecting was to be laughing like yeah. a ton in the movie. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I wasn't like okay. laughing out loud. Like I was laughing out loud a little bit, but it wasn't like belly laughing, you know, I see it was like chuckles here and there. Mm-hmm. But when I heard a Barbie movie with Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling were coming out, I was expecting to laugh a lot and I, I didn't see. laugh like okay. a ton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That being said, it was a solid movie though. It was. Yeah. Was it a longer movie? It wasn't too long. It was like, Less than two hours, and it's by Greta Gerwig, who okay. is a good, did a great d- job. She definitely took it a direction that I think made it like a film that people would talk about more. Honestly, I see. Yeah, see, it's crazy because I didn't watch, I didn't watch Barbie, right? And I honestly didn't even know that kind of this whole feminism uh, topic was actually, in, you know, introduced into the film and was a big prominent role. Um, it wasn't until like 
one of my coworkers actually mentioned it and they're like, Oh, I'm not going to go watch this movie because of this. And then I'm like, Whoa, what? I started seeing a bunch of controversy on the film. I don't know if you saw any controversy. Yeah. Especially I, on like Twitter or and stuff. You know, social yeah. That media. people were kind of not wanting to watch it because of yeah, the like, message. Being yeah, pushed. exactly. They're like boycotting it or, or like you I know, going against the film. Yeah. Which is kind of ridiculous to me to like, yeah. Not, Cause like every movie has a message. Sure. Like there's always like you're, you start one, one place and then there's a journey to become something else. So for sure. For sure. There's always growth and a message, but it's kind of, there was a prominent message for sure. And mm-hmm. you knew what it was and they weren't shy about it by any means. No, for sure. Um, and I just think I, it's hard to put myself obviously in the shoes of any, like, but if I was a younger like girl going to a Barbie movie, I, I would have been like maybe a little confused. Mm-hmm. I don't know for sure. Yeah. But that's just my take on it. Okay. But, fair. I think it's a good movie. It is a good movie. I just expected to be laughing a little bit more. Yeah. The fact that it wasn't that funny. That's interesting. Yeah. So wait, would you like a must watch? Probably not a must watch. Maybe check it out. I think people like, should check it out. Yeah. I definitely think it's a movie worth checking out. Um, okay. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a good movie. But uh, I think my fault maybe for having some kind of expectations <laughs> going into it. And uh, yeah, it just... It didn't hit the X, but it was good. And yeah. Will Ferrell, honestly, was pretty funny. Will Ferrell's in the movie? Yeah, he's like the, Mattel. the like CEO in the movie. Oh. He's like chasing Barbie around for like no reason, really. <laughs> Wait, okay, so here's my question. Okay, um, so you said there's a Barbie world, obviously, and then there's Earth? Yeah. Like, are they two different planets? Or yeah, what? they're like two different planets, and she literally just takes like the road out of Barbie land and then just like ends up in Earth somehow. I don't know how she got there. So all of Earth knows that there's a Barbie land. I don't know. I don't know if that would be. I don't think so. No. But all of Barbie world knows that there's Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So no one from Earth can go to Barbie land? No. Interesting. People from Earth can go to Barbie land? Oh, yeah. I guess Mattel. Yeah. Will Ferrell did go to Barbie land. So, so my question is, how is he conscious on, uh, you know, of the fact that there is a Barbie world? Well, because he, I guess because he created Mattel. It. So like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Because so teleport, or he tries to teleport Barbie back to Barbie Land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Interesting. It kind of has. Yeah, it's a different movie, bro. The <laughs> sets were amazing, though. Were they? The sets were amazing. The Barbie sets. They were. Was so, there music? There was music, and it was. It definitely matched the theme for sure. It was a. It was fun to watch, like visually, yeah. very fun to watch. There was a funny, like random music number by all the kens what just the broke heck? out into dance and <laughs> yeah it was random but it was funny i, okay. I thought it was kind of funny so Valid. yeah i don't know the barbenheimer barbenheimer the barbenheimer duo did it live up to the expectations i don't know i'm, I'm curious because if i did watch these two films let's say back to back i feel like my whole day would have been ruined yeah I'd have two <laughs> different sets of emotions uh, yeah I, that's how I, would, I feel too i would be just clocked i out. would have had to see oppenheimer first and then barbie i think um i don't know i don't know i would have probably preferred to watch barbie first yeah and then i'd be like you know in this fantasy world and then i go to oppenheimer i'm like wait a minute brings you back to the <laughs> hold real world. on yeah see i'd be rather be brought super deep into the real world where i'm like oh my gosh i can't believe we did this yeah and then go to barbie land like oh that's all good something that came out that i was honestly really excited for after mm-hmm. we did the trailer reaction yep. uh was teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah. mutant mayhem dude it was just a it was just a fun experience in theaters. It really honestly. was, yeah. And yeah. and going into it, um, I I had the feeling from the trailer that we watched it was gonna be funny, but dude, honestly, I didn't expect it to be that funny. 
Yeah, me too. Right? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the comedy honestly comes from the people who played the turtles. I For mean, sure. shout out to like, you know, like yeah, Leo, Donatello, Raphael, Michelangelo, like dude, them being actual teenagers added so much like personality. And there's, there's like, they said it themselves. Like they would let these teenagers just kind of improvise. Yeah. They would let the dialogue go on and let them do what they wanted. And dude, it was like, it was so good. Yeah. A big thing was uh, that Seth Rogen wanted for them was to have them all in the same room yeah, recording yeah, at the yeah, same yeah. time. So that I think definitely came through in the movie. Cause you heard this banter that like is very like quippy, like quick stuff yeah, yeah. that you wouldn't usually like necessarily hear scripted. Yep. And that only comes when you have them in the same room, like bantering off of each other. And it's kind of crazy to me that the go-to method is to like that. They usually record stuff separately and yeah. then, like they don't even see each other. I wonder time. why, because you got, you make a great point that yeah. adds a different like level dynamic. Yeah. Oh yeah. More genuine. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Like I, it totally came through and teenage yeah. me and Ninja Turtles, me and mayhem. Like you can tell that like they were in the same room together, just like joking with each other. And then, I guess, you know, the animators animate to that after the fact, yeah, which is also impressive, but that like is. it is, yeah, it's a, uh, it was a good movie. It was a, uh, I was excited to see it and it honestly was a little bit like better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Same with me after watching the trailer, obviously we were hyped. Um, I, one of the main reasons I was super hyped. There's two reasons. One is because it, it reminded me of the style of like the into the spider verse and across the spider verse, right. With the, like the animation style and the choppy feel and whatnot, for sure, yeah. which they did come out and say, that's where, it, what they grabbed inspiration from. Um, the second reason I was excited was because of the big cast, mm -hmm. right? Like reading them off, obviously Seth Rogen, Jackie Chan, John Cena, we had uh, Ice Cube, Post Malone, Paul Rudd. Like Dude, yeah. the cast was insane. It's stacked. And yeah. and I like how the main cast was uh, kind of villains yeah, to yeah, begin yeah. with, right? Mm -hmm. So it was funny seeing like Ice Cube lead all these crazy <laughs> names into like Dude. their own little banded gang and and, yeah. and kind of you know causing problems. And I thought uh, Paul Rudd is as Gecko Mondo Gecko. I think Mon his name. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He was hilarious. He to me. Was I would have funny. never thought that was Paul Rudd, bro. He was really? acting all well. Uh, you could hear it at some point, but yeah. he was acting all crazy at first. And <laughs> it was so funny to me thinking about that being Paul Rudd. For some Dude, reason. I love the joke where like uh, Ice Cube tells uh, Paul Rudd or Mondo Gecko, like, "All right, you're driving on this one." And they ask him, "Hey, are you good to drive?" And he's like, uh, "No." <laughs> Oh, like, dude! And, uh, <laughs> me and the the homie, shout out the boy Ben, man. We were dying the whole way through, bro. And it was stupid because, like, obviously we went. There's kids, mm -hmm. right? It had to be like ten through, let's say fifteen. Whatever you're twenty four, bro. We were the loudest ones in the theater, just <laughs> dying. Like the humor in this film was so funny. Yeah, it hit, dude. It was good all around. Like it really was a fun experience for sure. Absolutely. Um, what'd you think of like the overall story? Like, um. Like, you know, Jackie Chan and like, you know, he, he guides these kids, right? These turtles that, that mutated, uh, from the same kind of residue that came from Superfly, Ice Cube's character. Ooze. Ooze, that's right. That <laughs> is the ooze, right? And so Jackie Chan being a normal, you know, rat that he was, which is funny the way they an animated him when he was younger with like yeah. kind of the curls and he was just funny looking, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, he had like a perm, right? <laughs> he had like a perm, like <laughs> yeah. a seventies style perm. It was funny. Yeah. It was a good, uh, like a portrayal of Splinter. Oh, or, or I'm sorry. Is that's his name, right? Uh, yeah. Splinter. Splinter. Sorry, yeah, yeah. 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 Splinter. Yeah. That was a, I had never, I don't feel like I had seen a portrayal like that of Splinter before. Yeah, no, I don't know. Cause he was really a dad. Yeah. Like it was like a dad aside from like a, a sensei master role. He definitely played a dad role for sure. And yeah. I really liked that. I did too. Um, but yeah, what'd you overall thoughts on the story? I thought it was a, it was a cool, like it, 
it was a really like touching story actually i think that's what i wasn't really expecting going into yeah. it that it was going to be like such you know like all the turtles they they kind of feel like they're against the like the world is against them you know yeah it did feel that way yeah. like they just want to be accepted and they're afraid of mm-hmm. not being accepted so it re- and they're teenagers they're kids and they're going through this so it really was a touching story that had like some you know meat to it for sure and like it yeah, it was good, dude. I really liked it. Uh, did you notice how the humans were animated in it? Yeah, it kind of gross looking, dude. I'm right. not gonna lie. Like that's something that kind of um, it didn't throw me off, but I definitely noticed. I was like, yeah. dude, why are they why are they animated like that? It almost kind of threw me off at first. I was yeah. like, I felt like the aspect ratio was stretched at first. Yeah. But I think it it was um, it was intentional, right? It was, well, it, was yeah. it was to show like the bad and kind of the bad and the good. Yeah. Like, it, not to say that all the humans were bad, but like. You, the ones that were bad were animated nasty. <laughs> Dude, oh, my God. Yeah, some of the faces, the way they were stretched, and it just looked so unnatural. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I did notice well, that. I like that detail. I think it was yeah. a good touch. It, yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, overall, like, uh, so Seth Seth Rogen, he, did he uh, did he direct this? I, I think he did. This is one of his films. Okay. And I think he might have also have producing credits on it. Okay. He did a good job, man. Like, I... It seems like this was kind of like his baby, you know, like it seemed like it, like he definitely had, you know, a lot of hands in all the creative processes and, uh, go ahead. Sorry. So Jeff Rowe director. Okay. Jeff okay, Rowe. Jeff Rowe. But he's, uh, he did the story. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, and he produced it Yeah. and he started it. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he had a definitely a big hand in it. And, um, I think it, I think. It was awesome, dude. I really liked it. I honestly really liked it. I think Ice Cube was really funny as a super fly. <laughs> he was badass. I really liked Ice Cube. I liked uh, kind of the threat he posed. Um, I like how they find out that they're family, mm-hmm. right? Because they come from uh, the same moves yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So it's like, all right, cousin. Like, yeah. all right, we, we from the same pot. Right. Um, so I, I liked the interaction that they had with Ice Cube. And um, I liked I liked most of the characters. I just wish there was... um more uh I, I wish like post malone and john cena had like kind of a bigger voice they didn't really um they were yeah. there they were part of the group obviously same with seth rogan kind of too oh, yeah that's true yeah, yeah 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 for the most part yeah that's true um, but he was doing a lot he was busy <laughs> <that's> true. <laughs> yeah they were more so secondary but i i wish they had like a bigger presence but i did like you know that touch that they were there mm-hmm. you know um yeah, I love the dynamic between the brothers. Like you said, it was like a very like heartwarming kind of film. Like you definitely felt as like it, it was a definitely a clear message of like family. And um, yeah, I, I just like the dynamic between. Yeah, them. I, I think. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, I just think it's a really good film. I think they did a really good job on it. Yeah, and um, I like the way it's animated. Going yeah. back to the animation, I think it was really solid. I do too. And um, it's th- nice to see studios kind of doing those like not necessarily the Spider-Verse style, I guess, but trying to take animation in a new direction instead of like mm-hmm. the, you know, the kind of cookie cutter animation yeah. you see. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I think that was, it was, it was pleasing to look at, mm-hmm. you know, um, who was the best turtle? Who was the best turtle? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> I really, it was a different rendition of Raphael that I've never seen before. Yeah. Interesting, huh? Yeah. He was like a big, like he was bulky, a big, bulky big turtle, body big boy. Of, yeah. Big <laughs> yeah. body kind of guy that just like, running into you know crap really <laughs> like he just yeah. like throwing his body out there yeah. and like getting hurt kind of so it was a i thought he was the rendition that i had never really i've never seen that rendition no of that's Raphael. a fair point yeah, yeah. um but I, I thought 
I really liked Mikey. I really liked Mikey. Mikey's a good one. I liked Mikey. I think for for me personally, the the best one was definitely Donnie. Donnie Donatello was really good was too. Hilarious, he was, bro. He was the funniest. He totally he was, was the, the funniest. funniest. He totally was the funniest. He was, bro. Yeah. Remember the whole bacon egg and cheese scene? Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was so funny to me. And just yeah. the way he acted was definitely modern day teenager for sure. And, you know, like more so than the other. For sure. Like he was definitely into the whole social media. He was into like all the technology and gadgets. And he just reminds me of my younger sister. Like <laughs> it's just, I'm sitting there like, oh my God, dude. That's like funny. I hate to admit that my sister's funny, but like Donnie is hilarious, bro. So he's definitely for me the funniest and that's the best good, turtle. Dude. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. He was the funniest. He was for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, I think you got to go watch it. For those yeah, of you who have not seen it, I think it's a must watch. It, it, it would just be fun to throw on and, and just hang out and watch. Yeah. Show your kids for sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And if you don't have kids, you just, just watch be, it yourself. Just watch it. Feel, be feel like a kid. Yeah, watch absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, going into some uh, good wrap up on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, going, I liked it. Going into uh, some other, something else I saw. Did you see this movie I'm about to talk about? Which one is it? It's uh, Talk to Me. No, I have not. So you did talk not? to me about Talk to I Me because I haven't. I, I know about it. Um, and I know the the two they're brothers, right? The people who made this film, A twenty four. I know they were YouTubers prior to actually making this film. They were, yeah. So I know the journey it took for them to actually make something insane. Absolutely. Right? So they yeah. were YouTubers to begin with. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, Rocka Rocka. Correct. Yep. Yep. And they were. Uh, they I grew up on them. I was. They were like one of the first YouTube channels yeah. I ever watched was Rocka Rocka because oh, they. Uh, they just have some of the craziest like stunts in mm-hmm. their films. They had like really crazy production value for YouTube at the time. Yeah. Like they were breaking through walls. They had fire going, they were exploding and stuff. Like they had production value for like mm-hmm. YouTube at the time for sure. Yeah. So they were kind of ahead of their time and they've just been, they've been grinding. They just keep making videos. You know, they've just been honing their skills and their storytelling and, I mean, they've been quiet on YouTube, and I kind of thought they, you know, kind of disappeared mm-hmm. a little bit. But they, they were busy, and they were making a an amazing horror movie. I gotta say, bro, and talk yeah. to me. Talk to me was, it was good, bro. It was so good. Like, so me, Mackenzie, and Carter went and saw it. Okay, shout out, shout out, <laughs> shout out to everyone, everybody. <laughs> but uh, we went inside, and I was honestly a little nervous going to see it because it had been hyped up as like this really like mm-hmm. pretty. Um, just disturbing film. It's really disturbing. It's really yeah. scary. Really scary film. And I know you're really into A24. I so am, you already yeah. had that expectation of this being an A24 film. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And more so, I was just like, it's uh, Danny and Michael are the brothers, the twins. Yeah. And uh, they just have the funniest, like, uh, dynamic when it comes to just interviews and stuff. They're very, like, off each other. Like, they just got this crazy energy, bro. So okay, I can, okay, I can okay. only imagine what the set must have been like. Probably crazy. It must have been crazy. Energetic. But the fact that they can channel that energy that they have and into organizing and like putting people where they need and making this film that they did mm. is just awesome to me and it's so inspiring like so shout out those guys so shout out to them i'm i'm just like curious as how they came into contact with a24 and how all this came to be like that's crazy so they were doing a festival run i and i think a24 saw it and picked it up and started distributing it I see. Okay, okay. So they had made the film and then it got picked up to get distributed that's by a dope. Yeah, dude. that's dope. It's okay, super dope. Sick, sick, it's, sick. it's it's awesome. They their their film got funded. They they're Australian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. their film got funded by just like an Australian film. You know. Yeah. They they have I think they have better like pots of money for you know I don't know it it was something like that where they 
it was a fund kind of thing yeah, yeah. for filmmakers. Yeah. And they had submitted their script and story and they were approved to have it be made. Mm-hmm. Um, and they killed it, dude. They absolutely killed it. It was just, it was, it has like a lot of these like things from horror movies that you see a lot that you, okay. that kind of, I guess I don't want to say cliche, but kind of, kind of cliche, like some stuff you would expect in a horror movie. Like what? So like possession, there's okay. possession. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big, that's what, so how the story goes is there's this hand and uh, it's like this an thing. artifact. Yeah. It's a hand that you just, <laughs> you just shake it and you're like, talk to me. And then you just get like possessed oh, wow. from it. Yeah. So Actually. it's this artifact okay. that these teenagers have. These teenagers picked it up somehow. They got it through someone, but they kind of treat it like a drug. It's like, they kind of like, they bring it to parties okay. They bring groups together. They're yeah, like, you, you want to do some hand? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they, they invite freaking spirits into their body as their freaking, you know, their drug. So, yeah, yeah. so that is like, they would get together. They'd be like, Hey, we have the hand. Uh, you guys want to do, you know, you guys want to talk to me tonight? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You guys want to play talk to me tonight? No, it wasn't like that. But. <laughs> But it was kind of like that. It wasn't, I'm making it sound cheesy. It wasn't. It was really okay. like the way it unfolded, because it, that sounds cliche, it sounds cheesy, but they didn't. It was like there was this one party scene where they bring the hand and there's just this music going in the background. The way it like cuts to them all having this like good time, like game possessed, is just so like, you've never seen anything mm-hmm. like it. You've never seen a scene, a possession scene done like that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So they just were really creative in the way they told it. And, uh, I just got to say it all like unfolds and I don't want to spoil it. Cause I really want people to see it. I think if you're a horror movie fan, you should see this movie for okay. sure. And, uh, it just unfolds and comes to this perfect, like bow at the end. Like the, um, it's like that, it's that punch that so many horror movies try to hit. They're mm-hmm. like to wrap up their movie. You're yeah. like, this would be the perfect ending to me. This was like the perfect ending. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. It was like a perfect ending to this okay. movie. And interesting. So it, it just, and it was disturbing and it was scary. Um, and they just, they just did a good job. I heard they, they're the type, they're, they're, they're like I said, they're kind of like, they got a lot of crazy energy and stuff like that. They're a little like quirky. Yeah, they're for cool. sure. Yeah, they're fun guys yeah. for sure. So I heard they like would write scenes and then they'd like go really far and be like, oh, we got to kind of take it back. Like they'd write, like they'd write too far and then like kind of tone it back. Yeah. I w- and that's yeah. where they kind of made, made the sweet spot of a movie. And dude, yeah, I just, I just really got a shout out, uh, Rocka Rocka, Danny and Michael. Uh, I, I hope I don't butcher their name, but I believe it's Filippo. Okay. Okay. And, uh, dude, they, uh, they made an awesome movie and I think they really set something in motion for YouTubers, a goal that YouTubers yeah. can really like, uh, see now. Like, I don't yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. that path was there to get, yeah. be a feature film made as a YouTuber. Yeah. I feel like they've really put into motion what you can accomplish just honing your craft mm-hmm. making what you want and then translating it into something that can also be very profitable and make you a lot of money and make a theater run absolutely yeah and it's 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 good that you mentioned that like uh you know because obviously i feel like there's a stigma when it comes to being a youtuber or a content creator i feel like sometimes you don't get taken seriously mm-hmm. right um especially not to the point where you actually make a feature film like this one and sure. it, it does amazing mm-hmm. right and it's cool i mean like I've seen different podcasts where they actually do go on interviews. Like for example, like impossible, let's say, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, like Logan Paul and Mike and 
all them like mm-hmm. they had them on and, and they were definitely talking about like having the experience of being a youtuber honing your craft and like you mentioned like getting to the point where you make something spectacular mm-hmm. like you shouldn't be scared just because you are a content creator or you're a youtuber like you know you're professional at what you do you are creative and then you just hone your craft and then get to the point where you you just make a project right. that it, it kind of encapsulates what you've been doing kind of exactly you know exactly so the fact that they were able to pull it off like i i definitely gotta watch it like yeah, the fact that i haven't I, seen it it sucks no you know, I, sad. It's, it's um, all right spooky spooky time's coming up exactly so <laughs> i definitely gotta gotta buy it and watch it but where would you rank this let's say let's take scary films from the past year maybe year and a half right uh-huh where does this one land because we, I don't uh, know if we've had the best run for horror films recently within the past year. I would say in the last three to five years. I mean, I can't think of when Hereditary came out, but I would say since Hereditary is my favorite horror movie that I've seen. Really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Gotcha. Because we have films that we watch like Barbarian or like uh, The Menu, which is a good horror film. That was a good. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, I mean, uh, Smile. I mean, I know yeah, like there's. Yeah pieces that were bright in there and that were yeah. it was good yeah yeah yeah. so no it was a solid movie solid. We, we had our quips with it but yeah. yeah it was it was solid but yeah i would say talk to me talk okay. to me is that one that you should if in the last five years or so yeah my two top two hereditary talk to me and i'll throw malignant in there too you should oh, people wow. should go see that i haven't seen that one <laughs> yeah yeah people are gonna come at me for that but okay. i don't care why is that a hot take I don't know. I don't oh. know if it's a hot take. It's right, not people for, think it's trash. It's or? not for everyone, but I think the ending is just worth watching. Oh, okay. the, worth see, the price of a mission, honestly. Mm. Interesting. But yeah, dude. That's good. Talk to me. Okay, yeah, definitely convince me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, good. So you must watch. Must watch, for must sure. Watch. For sure. That's good, man. I know Um, there's other blockbusters that came out. Uh, n- I mean, not really talked about as much. Like, uh, I don't know, Mission Impossible. Yeah, a little like, flop. You what? A little yeah, flop def- and happen. Yeah. Flop and happen. Yeah, very unfortunate. And it's like a part one, right? Isn't it supposed to be it like is a two-parter? A part one. Yeah. Like, what was it even called? I don't... I couldn't tell you, up. to be honest, but we did go see it. Me and Mackenzie went and saw it, uh, Mission Impossible... What number is it? Like, uh, I, I can't even tell. So you is it number. what Dead Reckoning Part One? Okay, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Uh, yeah. yeah, we went and saw it, and it was. I like the Mission Impossible movies. I think they are solid action spy movies. I think they do a good job, and I think they're fun. Um, and I thought this one was more of the same. Honestly, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I will go see the Mission Impossible movies. I think they do do some cool. St- honestly, the the Tom Cruise stunts are honestly kind of sell me sometimes to just go and see he him. does his own yeah yeah, stunts. yeah yeah and he's how old like dude this dude yeah like, he he's getting up there so it's like he's it's 61 oh there's yeah. no way he's 61 hold on is that true because he he literally yeeted a motorcycle off of the born july 3rd 1962 he's 61 he is 61 years old yeah wow dude he literally yeeted himself off a mountain on a motorcycle like six times that's like that's once crazy. for every decade he's yeah. being alive. Yeah, that's um okay. Well, the fact that he's that reminds me of like the Harrison Ford age. Like that's actually insane. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of the same, the stunt man kind of guy. But he uh he so yeah they are worth going to to okay. meet for me. I love I I do like seeing stunts. Like I think stunts are dope. So uh and the story. So there's been three movies this year that have had a storyline where there was a piece of a treasure missing and they had to go get another half of the freaking treasure. Okay. So transformers. Yeah. 
this one, I'm yeah. assuming. Mm-hmm. What was the other one? Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fair. So there's been three movies, <laughs> and I feel like I watched them all like back to back to back. And I will say Mission Impossible is the best one out of the three. The one that's done it the best? Yes. But is it even that good to begin? It is good. It is good. It is good. good. I really will say it is good. I don't think it deserved a flop. It should have flopped. So I was going to ask you, why do you think it... I I don't know. Uh, Maybe something else came out during that time that was getting more attention. Mm, Maybe. I see IMDb's giving it a 7.9. Rotten Tomatoes give it a 96, huh? I really did. I I thought it was solid, and it was part one, and uh, I got a shout out this because Mackenzie definitely wanted me to mention it, that the train scene at the end, there's this train scene. Okay, so I've I've been seeing, so I saw things about that. Okay. Talk to me about that. It's pretty ridiculous, bro. Okay. It's a really good scene. It's really fun, and there's just like, it's at the, spoilers, it's at the very end, but there's this train scene (laughs) where like this train is coming off this cliff, and they're like, so each cart is falling off of the cliff, like okay, one can, by I one. I can kind of picture it. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like in the middle somewhere of the railroad, it got exploded. And like, sure. you know, so they're falling off one by one. And like, they're just trying to run like to each cart as it's see. falling. But like, it's pretty intense because like the cart is dangling off of the side of the, like the rail track. And they're like dangling with it. Like, it's a pretty crazy, like, it's good. It was pretty cool. I okay, really enjoyed okay. it, honestly. I thought that was pretty fun. And but it was uh I think the funniest part about it is it was ridiculously long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. <laughs> like they were running from one cart and it happened like three times. You're like, okay, they're safe. And it probably happened like three <laughs> or four more times where they just kept running. And it was like drawn out sequences. It wasn't like, oh, we're safe. Like they were like drawn out sequences yeah, 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 in yeah, each yeah. cart. So it was just a funny tidbit that I wanted to say that I thought they did a good job with that scene and okay. it was it was fun. I enjoyed watching it. It was pretty high intensity. To yeah. Me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't, I can't remember the last time I watched a mission impossible film. Yeah. Like I, it's probably been a while. And there's what, like how many now? Six, seven, maybe I can't, yeah. this was the eighth one. Okay. So yeah. Like, um, I know we talked about this last episode with the whole, like, you know, people not being as creative anymore with what they're coming out with. Mm-hmm. I feel like the reason I didn't go watch this one is cause I knew like, okay, another mission impossible. Like, come yeah, on. I <laughs> like, do. Come on. I kind of had that idea too. And that's been the case with a lot of movies. Like we said the last time, I think that there's been a lot of like remakes and stuff. But yeah. I don't think, I think this one is the better of the crop, like mm-hmm. of the, of the movies that have come out. This is one of the ones that is more worth watching, in my opinion. Okay. One thing we talked about last episode was this interesting strike going on with the Writers Guild of America and, like, the different studios in Hollywood, right? And uh, what the, their concerns were basically the use of AI, mm-hmm. um, residuals from, like, streaming services and stuff. And they basically came together um, to try to get actual compensation for, from these streaming services. Mm-hmm. And then just, you know how AI is developing nowadays. Like, it's yeah. insane. Definitely uh, scaring so, everyone a little bit. Yeah, a little literally, bit. Yeah. With like jobs and like what, what could be the future and, and, you know, realistically what, you know, how, how are you going to apply AI? And obviously there's concerns and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like I said, yeah, last episode we were talking about this and, and as of this month, they actually reached like a tentative deal. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And what, what does that look like? So I went into the deals a little or the details of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the biggest things in my opinion that, came from this strike is that streaming uh, services are going to have to start to release their numbers a little bit more, be a lot more transparent on mm-hmm. their numbers, which makes sense. And it, and that is definitely trackable. Like I was actually talking about it with my dad today. Like you could have like 
the numbers and the watch time that yeah. people are spending on these shows, yeah. like in particular, like you could definitely release that and see what is performing, what isn't performing and, uh, you know, pay your writers accordingly, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, absolutely. And you mentioning that. So I have a article pulled up from Forbes, mm-hmm. Forbes.com. Um, and it reads this is, which is interesting, right? So a major step as the writers had complained about the lack of transparency, as you were mentioning from the streaming platform. So, on the residual front on this deal that they actually agreed on, which will be voted on, um, the agreement includes a 50% bonus residual payment for writers if a show or film is viewed by 20% or more of the service's domestic subscribers within the first 90 days that it's released. Okay. Right? So if it reaches that specific benchmark, 20% or more you know, viewers in the first 90 days, then they'll get a 50% bonus on the residuals from the actual show. I like that. Yeah, yeah, it should be. There should be a bonus for if something performs really well, the person that wrote it should, you know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And it's because, like, you know, before streaming services d- during traditional TV, right, let's say a show aired. Like, let's take, I don't know what show, for example, Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Sure, whatever, you know. There'd be the residuals from that actual TV show, that TV show that's broadcasted. And not only that, on reruns, right. they would also get you know, residual income from that as well, mm-hmm. which was like trackable and they, they would exactly. be transparent about those numbers <laughs> yeah. on that. And I don't know why it would be any different for, or that's, harder to track on a streaming service. That's what I'm saying. You know? So yeah, it's definitely a great takeaway. I think from this writer strike that has happened yeah. that this transparency needs to be had to, you know, pay people accordingly. And I mean, they, they kind of do have, um, they make a great point with not being paid and the whole AI thing. Like, so check this out on the same article, right? I found interesting as well. The details in this, in this whole deal, it it details that, um, so in, in terms of AI, it bars the use of AI for writing or rewriting literary material and forbids studios from enforcing a studio can't go and tell writers you need to use AI to make this film or TV show, which I was trying to think of why a studio would even do that to begin with, like mm-hmm. use AI and maybe it's to whip out content quicker. I see. So there, th- some studios are instilling on their writers, Hey, use AI for the, the reason that they need content faster. It could be the case. Yes. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Like why would a studio go and push AI to the writers? And then th- would that differentiate what they make, what that writer makes? Is that like in pay? Yeah. Is that in the details of the, well, so going back to this article, so like it reads, so they, they bar the use of AI, so they can't use AI for writing or rewriting material and it forbids studios from enforcing it. Right. However, the deal states that writers can choose to use AI to aid their writing process okay. um, upon receiving consent from that studio. I see. I so I so see. the writer can go up to the studio, let's say Universal, hey, uh, is there any way I could use AI to help me? You know, I'm not going to, let's say like, you know, you're not going to use it to write the whole script or something, but hey, can I use it for ideas? I they see. Need, they need approval. I see. So that kind of makes me think that, yeah, there, there's definitely different conversations going on behind the scenes because there is like the studio looking at the writer, like, Oh, this writer's using AI. We shouldn't be paying them as much. But at the same time, the writer, I see how the writer needs to disclose whether they're using AI or not, because it kind of takes away from their, you know, what they're being paid to do a little bit. Absolutely. Let's say a writer just uses AI flat out completely to do the work. And here you go. Here's a, here's a script for this episode or Mm -hmm. this pilot or whatever. 
I see that. You know what I'm saying? So like, there has to be transparency on, on both, both sides. Ends, both ends. Okay, that's good to hear. Which is, I think, something that they were willing to do anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you tell us what's going on, we'll tell you what's going on. Okay. And another thing about this is just straight up annual pay raises. So it's a three year contract, supposedly, that they got to vote on for this new deal. And they're going to be getting a 5% increase in pay. And then after that, a 4, 4% increase in pay. And then after that, a last 3.5% increase, okay. increase in pay. So the first initial would be an immediate 5% raise in all of their contracts if okay. this contract were to be ratified. Okay, gotcha. You know, so now there's more money involved, um, banning the use of AI unless, you know, consent to it, you know, mm-hmm. upon approval. And then residuals from streaming services. I I don't have the article pulled up, but I heard that a part of this also was just some of the details was for every set number of episodes. So say you have a show that has 10 episodes, mm-hmm. you have to hire a certain amount of writers for that show now. Yeah. So there has to be, say you have 10 episodes. I don't know the details. This is just an example. You have 10 episodes. You have to have at least three writers yeah. or you have, you know, something that's five episodes, six yeah. episodes. Yeah. You have to at least have two writers. That's not the specific details, but I saw that that is also a part of this agreement. Yeah, that's, I mean, it makes sense too, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you have a 24 episode show mm-hmm. season. How many writers are you going to hire? I mean, there's, there should be guidelines, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that makes sense as well. And I mean this, so this strike honestly took a while, right? Yeah, it it's from, it's a beginning of May. Mm-hmm. They've been in strike. And so this is interesting. Uh, the president of the WGA West, President Meredith Stein, I think it's, it's how you pronounce her name. So she says that the strike was way too long because the companies took so long to get serious. She says, I feel sad and painted that it took this long because when we got serious, we got it done at a reasonable amount of time. Right. So the issue here was, was just the studios not, not thinking it's such a big deal. Yeah. You know? Which is sad. Which it is, is sad. It kind of shows the mentality maybe a little bit that some studios, some studios may have like big, oh, yeah. big, big studios that, uh, they just, you know, they treat, it's like an employee, you know, they treat them like an employee, yeah. you know, which they are, but they, they're the creatives, you know, they, they need to, they need their voice in this stuff yeah, yeah. for it to come out well. So, uh, they need to be treating them like equals for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just, so I'm glad there's, you know, movement with that again. Um, you know, finally stuff will not be halted anymore. Like productions, for example, I know the last of us got halted because of this mm. for the second season. Mm-hmm. Um, Deadpool also, you know, got yeah. halted a little bit. I remember so um, hopefully, obviously there might be pushbacks on release dates. Hopefully it's not too long, mm-hmm. um, but at least something got figured out. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's good to see that some, something got figured out in this whole thing and that is going in the right direction for writers and creatives in general. Yeah, so get this uh, controversy that I I found so funny on this, right? There's controversy with Drew Barrymore. Did you hear the Drew Barrymore controversy with this whole Writers Guild (laughs) strike? So Drew Barrymore decided to bring back her show without writers because of the strike. wow. Thinking that was going to be a good idea. Wow. And then when (laughs) the public flamed her yeah she backtracked and was like i'm so sorry i didn't think i was gonna hurt anybody like i'm like bro really oh, like, man. yeah 
Yeah, that's that's <laughs> just another that's a part of the problem, right? <laughs> like we don't need them. We don't need them. See what I mean? Like yeah. So at that point, like whatever. She backtracked. Obviously, she was like, "I'm not gonna do that." But when she for initially first stated that, everyone flamed her. Like, dude, yeah. what are you doing? Are you dumb? Like, this is the whole point. Like, right, right, why right. Why we're doing the strike? Yeah, that's so, a, a little oblivious moment. Maybe it's a little embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. you ask me, but. Yeah. Um, but that is funny though. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit funny, <laughs> but yeah, to end the pod there, man, uh, yeah. a lot of stuff that we talked about, a lot of good films and controversial films and, yeah. uh, overall so far what we've seen this year. Yeah. There's, I mean, like we said, there's been a ton of blockbusters, yeah. a lot of movies this year. We touched upon a lot of them. We missed a lot of them, but I think we hit a bunch of them and, oh yeah. uh, I overall, I think I had a, a fun time with movies this yep. year. Uh, more to come, obviously. More to come. More to but, come. I'm excited for like Napoleon. That's mm-hmm. gonna come out. Wonka, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's this new Leonardo DiCaprio film coming out with Scorsese mm-hmm. and Robert De Niro. I forgot what it's called. Yeah, but, I heard about that uh, too. Real quick, just because I want to give yeah. a shout out. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think I saw the trailer for that recently. Three and a half hours long. Add it. <laughs> Three and a half hours, man. You're Killers cut. of the Flower Moon. Killers of the Flower Moon. Is Coming out this year. I don't know what it's about. Actually, let me click on it real quick. Um, So, directed, produced by Martin Scorsese. Uh, it's plot centers on a series of Oklahoma murders in the nation during the 1920s. Interesting. So, a true story? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Okay. But, yeah, I, I was seeing, uh, like, an ad for it. I'm like, I didn't know that was coming out. Another no, I, Leo film with Scorsese, dynamic yeah, duo. There's a lot. There's a lot of things that people were not posting during yeah. this writer strike. For example, um, like Edgar Wright, Scott okay. Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah, yeah, has yeah. an anime coming out. Yep. And uh, so he was a, he like once the strike in, he's like, I've been waiting to post this promo during this. So like, it's, I get it. So like, now we're probably gonna see like a lot of stuff that wasn't would have been promoted mm. during this time to start to get promoted. Good. Yeah. Good. Cause mm. I want to see more things. Yeah. Same. same. <laughs> I'm excited to see more things. Me too. So, um, yeah. Thank you guys again for clicking on this. Yeah, shout out to where are we right now? Real quick. Be real Productions. Shout out. Be real productions. It's an awesome set here. We had yeah. a really good time filming here. Mm-hmm. And if you guys need a place to film in Arizona off of a uh, power and Elliot, be real productions is your spot, bro. Check it out. Check it out. We'll link them down below. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, again, shout out to Be Real for letting us be here. And thank you guys again for tuning in. Yeah. uh, Listening to the things you got to say. And uh, we'll be seeing you in episode 10. Double digits, baby. Double digits. Can't wait. All right, let's get it. See y'all later. Peace out.